Thank you, ladies. We're going to be in Daniel chapter number one. Daniel chapter number one. Uh, if you want to be turning there um, today, we uh, have designated uh, just a little emphasis on Christian education, and uh, as appropriate group that just saying all those ladies um, are a product of our church, our ministry. All graduated from our Christian school, and uh, there spans many decades. From those ladies, I'll not point out who and when and where and all that, but uh, uh, it's a good illustration uh, of the long-term product uh, of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, but uh, but before I preach, I do want to I mentioned this morning uh, that I want to show you some of the the plans and drawings that we've submitted into Clay County um, for our Christian school. As you know, part of our campaign this year uh, involved our Christian school and the daycare that sits right next to it uh, to purchase the daycare and incorporate that into our, our Christian education ministry. Uh, and then the school, we are, we are out of space. And so part of what we committed money for, part of what we're seeking financing for is to add that additional space uh, so that... As that ministry grows, we can accommodate that growth and the opportunity that we have there. And so uh, this past Thursday, we had a preliminary meeting with Clay County, and the meeting went, went fine, just some preliminary thoughts on what we've already submitted, <clears throat> things that the architects need to make sure the plans include. And so uh, I want to go ahead and uh, show that to you now. So if you'll put the first uh, slide up for me, I don't know how well you can see that. Uh, but that is the current uh, main building on our school property. And the purple rectangles, there's, those mean something, just so you know. Uh, those are those modular buildings, just like the ones we have out here, um, to add classroom space. Now, they may be uh, moved to the left a little bit or whatever, but they're going to go up in that spot. And that will give us, if we add the five, that will give us 10 additional classrooms uh, there on the school property. And uh, those who are students there and those who work in the school, you know what a big relief uh, that is going to be to add to that. And uh, what an opportunity for us, and I want to make sure that uh, we are able, and I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed us to have that property and that uh, these children are being taught uh, not just how to read and write, but they're taught the things that they need to be taught uh, to not just be a productive citizen, uh, but the Lord willing be um, uh, grow into a man and a lady that bring honor to the Lord. Uh, we also, we all, we we're going. In addition to that, we've also submitted plans to add a building to the school property. And so, if you'll put that slide up, uh, these are some. And we'll get these uh, out in the foyer, blown up, so uh, that you can see them better. Uh, but the to the left is the main building, and basically, it's an L that we're looking to add onto the uh, Fowler building. The Fowler building is growing, so just so you know, Pastor Fowler. So, uh, but uh, we we so that's what we're proposing, and uh, that is that we believe with this square footage, it will get us uh, to capacity for the property, which will enable us to really grow. Um, as the school grows and, of course, tie into the daycare next door. And uh, you can go to the next slide. And this is the um, overall architectural drawing of how everything will fit uh, on the property. Uh, you can see how the modulars will, will, costumes will still be towards the back of the property. And then that L addition 
uh, onto the main building there with a the parking lot to the side. And this will put our square footage next to the daycare. And uh, so this is the preliminary things that we are submitting. The architects are working very hard um, and the county, the county at this point seems to be agreeable uh, with um, getting the approval for those modulars as fast as possible uh, so that we can go ahead and take advantage of that space while we uh, figure out in the midst of everything else <clears throat> that we're trying to build where this main building uh, fits into the plan of getting the square footage. But those modulars are going to give us a, a relief right away and then the long-term plan with the educational facilities uh, there adjacent to the daycare. And so uh, that gives you a little bit of information. I have not shared that with the church as of, of uh, until this point, um, the addition to the school property. And I'm thankful uh, that the Lord has provided that property. I'm thankful for the opportunity with the daycare next door and the opportunity for our school to continue to grow. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And so, uh, as I mentioned, we'll um, have these, the, these plans blown up so you can see them uh, and uh, uh, you can uh, get an idea of what we're trying to do there. So add that to your prayer list. Uh, we've got a lengthy prayer list with all these things, but we want to add that. And what an opportunity we have. God has given us 20 acres here um, in the, the part of Jacksonville where all the growth is coming. And uh, we've talked about that in the past, <clears throat> all the retail that's supposed to go just across the um, uh, expressway there right it, it, to us. All the homes are already building apartment complexes to the west of us. Everything that is growing this way, what an opportunity God has given us, but he's also given us uh, that those roots in Orange Park, in Clay County with the school and the daycare, and uh, we'll just see how the Lord uh, uses that and allows us to expand uh, in between here and there, and uh, so you pray for that and uh, much to pray for. Uh, I'm thankful for all the ministries that God's allowed us to be a part of. God does some wonderful things for us each and every time we meet here. Every service we meet, God speaks to us. He, he, he's, he works. He's been very good to us. I'm thankful uh, sometimes we forget, um, sometimes we, we fail to realize the reach that this church has literally around the world. Uh, not just missionaries out of our church, but the missionaries we support. Um, churches in Africa that are meeting on property that this church purchased so that the cause of Christ can go forward. Uh, what, a, what a great thing that is to be involved in. Um, the, the, our publications ministry, our, 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 our live stream ministry, our, our, everything that involves uh, from books to the Lifeline newspaper and uh, those that are, that are getting blessed by that and helped by that. Uh, what an opportunity we have. And that's why I want you to be faithful. You have an opportunity to be part of something that, that God is really using. And there's great rewards for uh, when we get to heaven. And so the Christian education ministry is one that has been a part of our church for, I think this is our 40th year of Berean Christian Academy. Uh, that's a long time. In fact, let me do this. Uh, if you are a staff member, faculty member of Berean Christian Academy or North Florida Baptist College, would you stand for me? If you, if you have any... Uh, capacity of that. So blame your kids on these people right here. Uh, no, I appreciate their faithfulness, and uh, I appreciate if somebody's going to teach my, my child, um, I, it's good that I can see them in church on Sunday. That's, that's a blessing. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me do this as well. Uh, these ladies that sang just a moment ago made me think of this. If you are currently a student at Berean Christian Academy, or you have ever been 
a student at our Christian school or gone through our Bible college at any point. Would you stand so we can see? That's, a, that's, that's pretty significant. Uh, that's very significant. Um, I see, I see some, some, some of these guys, I mean, you're, I don't think you've graduated yet, but you're still there. Uh, no, thank you. You can be seated. I praise the Lord um, for our Christian education ministry. And so I rejoice in that. So make sure that you're praying. Uh, North Florida Baptist College uh, starts classes in just a couple of weeks. It'll be our second year. And I'm so pleased with how God is blessed. And God is going to continue to bless uh, that ministry. The, the, the worse this world gets, sadly, the more there is compromise, there are fewer and fewer places um, that you can send your young people, um, have your young people, and I say that to say this, don't take for granted what you have. Don't take for granted what you have in a church. <clears throat> There's not a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church on every street corner. There's not. And don't take for granted what we have in our schools and the opportunities we have. And so I trust that uh, we'll continue to see. I believe even we've had great days, but I believe even greater days are ahead. The book of Daniel, I'm going to use Daniel chapter number one um, to... And one of the strengths of our church is what I just showed you. Um, I'm very, I know, you know, and, we, and, I, and, I, and I mentioned this morning something I may preach next Sunday night, but as I was thinking about this afternoon, I'm going to preach on a, what I, what a very a dangerous trend I see amongst Christians. And I'll preach on that next Sunday night. It'll tie in with what I'm going to preach on tonight. There's too much settling in the Christian life and not surrendering. I know not everybody who comes through our ministry is going to be a missionary not going to be a preacher. There are Bible college graduates who sit on these pews that are not in full-time ministry. They are what they are because of what they've had put into them. They are faithful servants of God, and they're a better church member, they're a better soul winner, they're a better Christian, they're a better Sunday school teacher because of what they've had put into them. And I, I am proud of all of those who... Uh, the Stanleys, as you know, just got back from Spain. Jason and Jessica, out of our church, graduates of our schools, graduates of our college. I'm very proud of that. But I'm proud of every Bree Christian Academy graduate, every Bible college graduate who God has right here serving. I'm proud of them. I commend them uh, for setting that foundation for the rest of their life. It's important. The book of Daniel is going to remind us of this in chapter number one. Let's begin reading. In verse number one, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord give, gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. We see right away that Nebuchadnezzar has conquered God's people, conquered Judah. They, Nebuchadnezzar took the vessels from the house of God and took them and put them in the house of his God. This is not differences of opinion. This is the worship of a false god. Verse number three, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. He is going to take a good portion of young people into bondage out of their homeland into bondage. 
Verse number four, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now notice right away, they gathered the group that had potential, had potential. I praise God for the number of children and young people we have in our ministry. You know who they are? Their potential. Well, they, they don't behave in church. They have potential. They behave in church about probably like you behaved in church when you were that age. There's potential. But notice what he said in, in verse number four, whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse five, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that the end thereof they might stand before the king. This is significant because they're, trying, they're turning them into Babylonians. They are transforming them from what they were, what they were born to be, and they're going to transform them into Babylonians. Verse 6, Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. He, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We'll skip down through scripture, but I want you to look down at verse number 20. Daniel basically barters and says, let us eat of our diet. Let us keep our customs. And then after a certain amount of time, let's compare. And then we see in verse number 20, and in all the matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Tonight, I want to speak on the subject, and I've used this title in this text before, of ten times better. Ten times better. Why we believe in Christian education. Ten times better. Father, help us tonight as we very practically look into your word. Father, I'm grateful for what you've done through this church and through this ministry through the years. Uh, I'm thankful to see the product uh, that continues to go out of this ministry. But Father, I'm, I'm thankful to be a product of this ministry. And Father, for years and decades to come, may we stay true to your word so that we can continue to make an influence uh, one child at a time, an influence one person at a time, one family at a time. And Father, may you be honored and glorified uh, by what we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we know, that Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had captured these young people and uh, he was bringing them from Judah so that they might serve in his kingdom. He, once he acquired them and brought them over, as we've already seen, he brought the ones with potential and they were going to indoctrinate them so that they would think like a Chaldean, they would talk like a Chaldean, and they would act and they could function in the Babylonian land. There was a mandate, if you will, of government education so that they would become what they had a desire for them to become. They controlled what they ate, who they worshipped. They were intended to control the education, the learning, everything about their environment 
uh, they wanted to control because they had an end result in mind. The reason he wanted these Jewish young men, is the reason why he wanted them to do this is because he wanted them to fit into Babylonian society. Babylonian society was a pagan society. Therefore, everything that they implemented into these young people was to get them to think in a pagan way. It was to get them to fit in a pagan land. Let me make an easy application Just because this nation was founded on the principles of the Word of God does not mean it's not a pagan land today. Does not mean that our government schools are not designed. It ain't reading and writing anymore, folks. It is is an agenda to get young people to fit into a certain way of thinking, into a certain way of doing things. That is the responsibility that these schools of this time and today have. Government schools are not just about reading and writing, but as I've already mentioned, exist to make the product fit best within its morals, within its beliefs, within its philosophy, and government religion. You say, well, Pastor, our our government does not have a religion. Yes, it does. It's the worship of man. It's the worship of oneself. It's everyone do right in their own eyes. If our leadership in our nation, our society is immoral, does it not just make sense that we want to train those that come up to fit in this society? Daniel and the other young men with him made a petition to be allowed to keep their diet and their way of life. It wasn't just about what they ate. It was about what they believed. It was about their way of life. It was about having a different education than one that would transform them into being a pagan, a Babylonian. Let me fast forward. We know that Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego, Daniel specifically, rose in the the eyes of the king. He was a man of great standing. But as you know, if you know the life of Daniel, he never, he lived in Babylon, but he never became a Babylonian. He lived there because he had brought in a captive from there, but he never, he lived there, but he never was a Babylonian. He stayed true to his God. He stayed true to the things that he had. I don't think I have to convince you that, especially those of you that went to school back in the 40s and 50s, and so for some of you in the 20s and the 30s, The school system of the day is not the same school system that was then. I've often heard my, through the years, my father talk about what it was like when he went to school. You know, it was uphill both ways. Um, It was much more difficult back in that day. But there was no debating about whether or not you would pledge the United States of of America flag. And he would tell stories of how some would disrespect that and they just wouldn't show back up to school and nobody asked any questions. Uh, the Bible was read in the classroom every day. It's banned today. How can you think like God wants you to think if the very book that tells us how God thinks is banned? There's a reason, there's a purpose behind that. 
even in the days gone by, America, for the most part, was a moral people. Now, the immorality that is celebrated on the television and celebrated in society is being taught to our children. I thought about bringing to the pulpit tonight and reading a lot of things that are being taught in our Christian schools, but I think in this heightened awareness that we're in because of things that have transpired over the last year, we have a good understanding of some things that are being taught that have nothing to do with the founding of our nation, have nothing to do uh, with reading and writing, have nothing to do with a young person being able to grow in their education. But as we see in the life in the story of Daniel, they bartered that opportunity to keep their way of life. And as we've already seen in our text tonight, the result was ten times better. Now, I understand that not everybody has the privilege of going to a Christian school. And if you have the privilege of going to a Christian school, you should not squander. You've got to be thankful for it. If you have the opportunity to put your child in a, in a Christian school, uh, I, I'll recommend one to you. But you ought to take advantage of that opportunity. But I want to be very practical tonight and use this passage of Scripture to build that foundation on. And I I want to give you some very practical things. Number one, I want to mention the why of Christian education. We've had our Christian school. We have a Bible college. We're adding a daycare. Why is it important that we have a Christian education? Well, Luke 2, verse 52, the Bible says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I believe that a, our children, Christian children, born-again children, growing up in Christian homes, can live in this world without dishonoring God. I believe they need a good foundation to help them. We, we frustrate, to use this as an illustration, this, this absurdity, this child abuse to take a child that's six or seven years old and say, well, they, 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 they were born this gender, but, but they're really this gender. The individual that does that ought to be dealt with, and you can use your imagination how they ought to be dealt, dealt with. That, that is foolishness in the, in the most simplest form, but it's abuse to that child. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is ridiculous why things like that take place. And these things that are put on children today, and what child at six and seven, eight years of age presented with, well, you, how, what gender do you feel like you are? It's ridiculous to put that on a child. It's ridiculous when a child is 19 years old to teach them in an, in an education, in a school system where, where children are sent to learn how to add and subtract and read to have curriculum that's put on them for them to try and decide when they're eight or nine years old, do they like boys or girls? You say, where is this taking place? This is taking place in our public school system. A child is not ready for the things that this world puts on them. That's why we need to make sure that our children have that good foundation Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I do believe that our children can get a good education, and those that come through our school have a good education. 
And parents, let me, let me help you in case anybody this morning said their mind. Well, if they go through that school, and, and, and is, is the school accredited? No. Why am I going to let the people who are three grades behind in reading accreditate my school? Let's look at it from a practical sense. Well, it'll keep them from getting a job. I could introduce you to some of our graduates that have not had a hard time getting a good paying job. You know, nowadays you just show up. You got a raise. <laughs> I don't have to babysit you. You're in charge. Because of the character that is instilled in them, the discipline that is instilled in them. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word train. Now, they may leave it, but it will never leave them. That is the why. At 18 years of age, I, I always, I pray for, of course, our young people, but then they come that graduation time and they get that little bit of freedom and they're going to be launching out into the real world. Usually after about six months, they come back to mom and dad and say, I'm tired of this adulting thing. Can, I, can, I, can you pay my bills? Can you pay my bills and can you take care of me? It's not all it's cracked up to be. But at 18, they're not ready for this world. The best opportunity they have is the training that they get up until that time. The why is because we do want them to increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. That is why they must get a good education. But it's not just about education because we're not just trying to move up the ladder in this world. It's because we want them to honor God with their life. We want them to have the training. We want them to grow up in the things of the Lord so that they might please God. The why is very simply because we want them to please God and still be able to function in this world. The second thing I'll say tonight is I want us to be reminded of the goal of Christian education. First of all, it is my desire, it is my goal that every child trust Christ as their Savior. Every child trusts Christ as their Savior. If, parent, you have an opportunity to lead your child to Christ, what a, what, what a, what a sweet time that is. What a sweet thing that is. But I can use my own illustration. I trusted Christ as my Savior from a kindergarten classroom while I was in the Christian school. It was the story of the crucifixion in Bible time. It was not the first time I heard that. I'd heard it in Sunday school. I'd heard it in my own home. I'd heard it in a church service. But it was that reinforcement that I heard it that I realized that, now, could I have been saved the next Sunday in Sunday school? I certainly could have, but it was at that moment I fell under conviction I trusted Christ as my Savior. In my own children's life, the Christian school has played a great role in their salvation because it is emphasized on a daily basis. It just makes sense, doesn't it? You get it on Sunday if that the story of salvation is told more than one time a week in the life of a child, the, 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 the chances of them realizing their need of salvation, it, it multiplies at a quick rate. It's a wonderful thing that every year in our school that some trust Christ as their Savior. 
Say, well, I want to do it the way, I just want my children saved. I want them to trust Christ as their Savior. It's my desire just for our children to come to know the Lord, but also for them to surrender. I, I am thankful for the hard work that our teachers and our faculty puts into our young people. And you, 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 they're your kids. You know how difficult they are to deal with. And the education that they get, just from an education standpoint, our scores are always higher than the local schools. Our young people get a good education. Are we still teaching cursive? Okay, I thought we were. And they can still write in cursive. That's a new code. If we're ever going to rise up against the government, just rise it, write in cursive and nobody will know what you're saying. <laughs> Add and subtract the old-fashioned way. It'll, it'll, it'll blow their minds. They have a good education. I want them to be educated. I want them to know the real history of our nation. I want them to be educated so that they can function well in society. But more than that, I want them to surrender to the will of God. I want them to understand that they need to surrender. I want them to serve. What a testimony we saw just a few moments ago with all those who have graduated from our schools. And there's so many people not here tonight. I counted at least 40 people who aren't here in the service tonight who are always here on a Sunday night. So many more of them could have stand. It's a what it, it's serving. It's serving. That is the goal of Christian education. And as I mentioned a moment ago, not some that come through our schools, God's going to call them to preach and put them into the ministry. But so many more sit in the church and they serve the Lord. What a testimony. That is the desire. That is the goal. It does not replace the Sunday school program, the church, or the home. But it certainly is a good supplement to it. Um, I know there's good public. There's some good public school teachers. I know there's some saved public school teachers. But many times the teacher's not the problem. It's the system they teach in that is the problem. There's nothing they can do about it. They are forced to teach something that goes against the very nature of man in so many cases. It is a good supplement to what you as a parent should be doing in the home. It's a good supplement to the Sunday school program. you got to be reminded that with the technology of today, this isn't like even when I grew up, where if I just found a straight stick, I could occupy myself out in the woods for like eight hours. So what would you do out there? There's some stories I'll never tell. But nowadays, it's the technology, and everything is at the fingertips. And our, and our children are, are bombarded by the, the, the things of this world. It is important that we have that reinforcement. So the goal of Christian education is for the young people to be saved, to be surrendered, and to serve. Then, this is where I want to get to the, the meat of what I want to say this evening. And, I, and I've got two more truths to give you. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Before you get too excited, you remember I only had two points in the Sunday school lesson this morning. We look at the means of Christian education. I want you to look back at verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That word defile means to make unclean 
to make impure, to soil or sully. There are some in our local governments, there are some in our school system who take issue with what I'm about to say. But the facts are on my side, not theirs. The public school education system in general is defiling our young people. It's not just teaching. It's not just educating. Many of our young people are defiled when they attend the public school system. I'm I'm sorry. Man was created by God. He did not evolve from an amoeba. Uh, I'm sorry. God created male and female. God help us when there is public school curriculum teaching kindergartners that it's not just male and female. It might be whatever it is. And I don't know what the total number is for today. It is defiling. Whenever you convince a child who is gullible, a child whose mind is still being molded, who doesn't have the maturity to see through and they put a trust in those uh, that stand before them and they are taught that they are anything other than what God created them to be, that is defiling that child. Kindergarten curriculum teaching kindergartners that they might be homosexual. That is defiling children. Oh, there are some things with all the, the COVID thing, and God has certainly made some things know, and there's, a, there's outrage in a lot of places because uh, parents were actually listening to what some of the, the uh, uh, school teachers were teaching their children. They might should have pulled that trust from the government a long time ago. God never intended for the government to educate our children. Never intended for the government to educate our children. We're to be in charge of our child's education. And when the government schools cross the line with the Word of God and the things that we are supposed to be teaching our children, that is where it becomes, uh, if not impossible, close to it, for our children to be in that system. It has never been God's plan. It's been the, the responsibility of the parent to make sure the child gets the education. And, and I can teach more on this later, but, you know, if, if there wasn't an alternative to a good Christian school, uh, so, Pastor, what would you do? I'd, I'd keep mine at home and homeschool them. I mean, they'd be done with a brick, but I'd keep them home and... <laughs> we laugh, but I'd rather than that than be defiled. Yeah. That's why this ministry that we have is so important. Because if you think that the the point that I made was the means of Christian education, that separation out of the things that will defile them. Uh, We give a good education, and we'll always make sure that we we, we have uh, that, that standard that we set. But more importantly than that, was Daniel said, let us keep our way of life. We don't want to become a Chaldean. Let me remind you what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He was taking those that had that potential. He was taking God's children 
He was taking God's next generation, and he was changing their manner of life, and he was indoctrinating them to be a Babylonian. And that is exactly what has taken place in our country. You know why there, there was the, 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 all of the, the riots? You know why there was all the things that took place in the last year? It wasn't 40 and 50-year-old men and women out there doing it. They had jobs. It was this generation who was a product of our government schools, and they had been taught to act that way. Uh, it, it, what, what has happened? There is a, just because it says, in God we trust, you know, I've preached on this, I've taught you on this, doesn't mean we have a Christian government. Just because we had a president previously who claimed to be a Christian, and I'm not questioning whether or not he was saved, but that does not mean we have a Christian government. So therefore, they're being trained to think like Babylonians. Well, as long as i got a breath in my body, I don't want my children to think like Babylonians. I don't want them to live like Babylonians. And when society comes to a place, see, our nation has changed. There was those golden years, and some of you, you know what it's like. We were at the high school back in the 40s and 50s, and yes, there were things that went on, but nothing like today. You knew who was a boy, and you knew who was a girl back then. You weren't, you weren't being taught this perverted, twisted ideology. And that's exactly what it is. The minds who created that are perverted and twisted. Romans chapter 1 speaks of them. They are reprobate. We must separate them from the ideology that its purpose is not to teach them to read and write, but it is to train them to fit into a society that has a certain ideology. I... It breaks my heart to see innocent children being carted off and how their lives are going to be changed by the time they come out of these school systems. The way their morals are going to be twisted. The way we must do it is we must continue to separate. Can a Christian be in public education and not be defiled? It's an interesting question. I'm certain there are situations about how difficult that must be. How difficult that must be. I want, I don't want on my conscience that I did not do everything that I had in my power to keep my children God's given me from being defiled by this world. Daniel was able to have a choice. We should exercise our choice. And this is why, and say, Pastor, why? Because that's good for us to be reminded. Some of you, you've already, you've already, you've already reared your children. You say, I don't have any. I don't. Pastor, is enrollment down? You need some. No, the enrollment's up. We don't have room for those that want to come. Because when the lost world realizes how bad the schools are, and they don't want their children in that and you say, here's the rules, this is the way they're going to have to abide, this is what they're going to have to do, this isn't tolerated, this isn't tolerated, this isn't tolerated, they say, sign me up, I just don't want my kids in that. When a lost world realizes how bad it is, it's pretty bad. But I'm preaching this tonight to remind us how important, those of you that still have your children home, how important it is, this ministry is, and for those of you, you've already reared your children, 
This is a ministry you've got to pray for. This is why we need to keep our church strong as it's been. And as the devil fights this church, we need to realize what is at stake. It is the innocence. It's the potential. It is, it's, the, it's the future of a young man, a young lady. And it's, it's heartache and pain. That they, can you imagine the confusion that this generation that is growing up in this world must have because they are told all these things I mean, you have people who are saying, you need to listen to science on global warming and listen to science on, on creation and evolution. And by the way, listen to science when we say there's 472 genders. But we don't have an agenda when we push all this. It is an agenda. It's a godless agenda. We must continue to separate. Then number four. I don't know if any of this is making sense, but I remind you in verse number 20. When it was all said and done, verse 17, and for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. They were graduates of Berean Christian Academy. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. In all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the other young people, than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. See, God's way is the best way. As far as a child of God, God's way is the only way. The product is better. Why is it important? That's why I'm so thankful God has given us that property. I'm so thankful as we've incorporated this into, into our growth, the importance of the future. I hope we realize, yes, you say, Pastor, is everybody going to know? God's going to call who he's going to call. But don't you think it would help our world and, and the mess that it is as far as our government goes if, if we produce some young people that actually know what a, a republic is? We actually know the history of our nation. Don't you think it's, it's good for them to go through school not thinking they are wondering if they came from amoeba or they evolved from a monkey or this world just exploded and here it was that they know there's a God who cares enough about them that he created their life. And with that life, he created a plan for them and a way for them to fulfill the purpose that he has for them and to honor his creator. When the child is not taught that they are robbed, they are robbed of the peace and the joyous satisfaction of knowing that I can please the Almighty God by using this life that He granted me to His honor and His glory. How are they ever going to realize their need of a Savior if they don't even know there's a God? If there's been taught there might be, or this is something that is taught, how in the world can they realize their need in Jesus Christ is that need? The product is ten times better. Our education, our scores are higher. There's an environment that's better. And spiritually, they're definitely ten times better. As we continue to put our emphasis on our Christian education, of course, we know this is expanding with the daycare. We have our Bible college, and there's some other things in the works with continuing education as well. That would be a benefit to everybody. But we realize the spiritual result is ten times better because of the environment that we find ourselves in. 
You know, there's, there's a reason why the Bible, the Bible still speaks much about separation in the life of a Christian. And I, I don't understand why we have such a hard time with this in the day we live. I guess it's always been that way. But a Christian is supposed to be separated from this world. We are not supposed to fit into this world. Well, I just don't want to say, if you're going to be a child of God and serve God, this is not our home. You're not going to fit. Well, you go send your kids to that Christian school, they're just not going to fit in with the rest of the kids. That's the point. I want them to, to, to be Christians. I want them to serve the Lord. I want them to be clean and pure. That's what I want for them. We have a responsibility to consider the product. A lot of Christians, and I'll touch on this more next week, a lot of Christians don't consider the end of the decisions they're making now. Even in settling, well, this isn't as bad as. You have to consider the end. Parents, let me help you real quick. Mom, you need to cancel your upcoming counseling and therapy because your first grader hasn't mastered life yet. And if your child comes home from kindergarten, and those of you that have a kindergartner, or you've had a kindergartner recently, you understand what this means. They come home without their stamp. That means um, they didn't behave quite like they should have. It's not the end of the world. They're not going to be a bank robber one day. Uh it's not certainly emphasize the correct action, <clears throat> but that first grader, they're not done yet. <clears throat> well, they're, they're behind. Sometimes first graders are behind. And just because, so mine's ahead. Oh, that can change too. Sometimes they're ahead, they get the academic, but then the social they don't get. Or they get the social, they love the school because it's, it's, it's a party in their mind. The education, why do we have to have education at school? I just go there to see my friends and sometimes eat glue. I mean, that's just, that's just what I do. <laughs> Speaking of eating glue, just because you're a seventh grader <laughs> is not that finished product yet. Well, I put them in a Christian school. I thought I wasn't going to have any problems. Christian school doesn't solve all your problems. This is a wicked world. We have flesh. We have to grow. They're not done yet in seventh grade. They've still let the, let the system, this helps with our youth. This is a good thing for you to remember when it comes to our youth program, our Sunday school program, our youth department, and all the way up. You have to buy into what God has established and let it finish its work. Just like when you go to the world and the sin of this world, it's fun for a little while, but that sin has not finished its work yet. But it will. The same is true when we are rearing our children and we want them to be educated and we want them to be, we have them as a product of our church and we. We place our families in this church for the ministry so that we can rear our children. 
it's not going to be a finished work at seventh grade. And oh, it's like, oh, they got it all together as a junior, junior higher. They, they've got it all together. Hold on, ninth grade's coming. It, when they're in ninth grade, those that are in twelfth grade don't value their opinion as much as you do, Mom. And matter of fact, it's like, don't speak unless you're spoken to. Well, sometimes it's interesting is that young man, that young lady enters their 12th grade year, their senior year. And I've had parents come to me and they're like, they shake their head and they're like, my child's going to be out in the world in a year. They won't survive two days. They're still dealing with this and this and this. They're not done yet. It's amazing to see the growth in just that short amount of time. But see, God has instructed us in, in, in his book, and that's part of the ministry of the local church. It's not something that you can snap your fingers and it's done. It takes its work, and the product is ten times better. So if your children are in the nursery, along the way, you're going to find some frustration. Let me just keep, remind you to keep your eyes focused on the end result. Daniel and his friends, no doubt, were ostracized because they weren't keeping the same diet. They weren't living as a Chaldean, as a Babylonian lived. They weren't allowing themselves to be indoctrinated. They were going to stay true to the things of God, who they were. And by the way, we are children of God. We belong to Him. We must stay true to Him. You young people that sit over here, the children that sit across here, and even the young adults all the way up, we are a child of God. We belong to Him. We stay true to Him by staying true to His things. Then that graduate graduates. They're not a finished product yet either. Sometimes we're, we are the hardest on our own children. Uh, there's a lot of reasons we do that. But let me remind you, the product's ten times better. I, I wanted my, my child just not good in school. Well, if you've kept them from being defiled, way to go, Mom. Way to go, Dad. Well, my, my kid, if I want them to have all of these academic opportunities, what good will that do? They'll have academic opportunities, but they're not in this system of this world. What good would that do if they've been, their mind has been trained to fit into this wicked world? We must consider the product. Your parents, your child, God has a plan for them. You don't know all that God has planned for them. I don't know all that God has planned for them. But he has a plan for them. We have them for just a little time. Then they leave you. And all you have is that foundation that you gave them. And trust. It'll never leave them, but pray that they never leave it. It might also give a word of caution to not be too hard on our children and young people in general. I get, I, get, I get weary of this sometimes, but it's, I'm sure it's my pastor's heart. 
we cast judgment on somebody else because we say, well, they should be doing more. They should be serving more. Maybe they should. First of all, it might not be your place to cast that judgment. But let's not lose sight of the fact that they're ten times better from a product standpoint than this world. You know what I mean by that? We're not better than, than those of this world. We're blessed because we have Jesus and we have salvation. But those that come up, and let me just admonish those that have, those that stood earlier, and you've come through this ministry. Be thankful for what you got. Don't dishonor it. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. We're going... God, I believe greater, greater day, we've had great days, but I do believe our greatest days are ahead of us. And I believe we're going to have the opportunity to win a lot of people to Christ. You know who's going to do that? We're all going to be involved in that, and we see people saved, of course, every week. But you know who's really going to help this pastor? Those who are the products ten times better. So let's, let's pray for these ministries. Let's support these ministries. Mom and dad, the time that child enters school, it's like that before they're gone. And oh, as they get older, they've got this practice on this day, this, this sports thing on this day, this church thing on this day. And when they hit that high school, they're not home. They're gone more than they're home. Count your blessings there, but... And all the running around and this and that. No, and sometimes I just, I wish they, now they have to sell this and they have to do this. I just wish. It's all part of what makes them ten times better. Oh, I'll, I'll give this. Fundraising. Senior fundraising. It's amazing. When our seniors, when they go through, they handle the academic load. They handle their fundraising, they handle the sports, they handle the teen soul work, they handle teen activities, they handle everything at church. When they walk in that first semester at college, it's easy. Because they got more time on their schedule than they had. It's helping them with life. I'm rambling now, so I'll stop. Uh, but let's be invested in that next generation. I've seen it happen, and I'm determined not to let it happen here. The pastor rears his children, and then he becomes disinterested. In the school, he becomes disinterested. In the youth program, he becomes disinterested because his kids. I've seen it in churches. We get to a place in our life where we've reared our kids, so we become, we are obviously not as, interested because it's not demanding your attention. We should not get less interested as far as the need goes, as far as the opportunity goes. And so let's stay interested in reaching that next generation. Father, I pray you